Hi, hello and welcome. This is the Zonecast where we interview emerging Canadian professionals, entrepreneurs and academics. And uh, today we have with us on the show uh, Kareem Nassar. He is the co-founder and CEO of MedNow. Uh, hi, Kareem. How are you? Welcome to the show. I'm well, Sam, and thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here with you and to be able to tell the story of MedNow. Absolutely. Um, I, I want to learn about yourself and MedNow. Uh, can you tell us about your professional and personal background? Yes, absolutely. So my name is Kareem. I'm a computer engineer by trade, and I started my healthcare career almost 15 years ago. I started it with a company by the name of Vital Air, which is a, the healthcare division of Air Liquide, uh, a French multinational that uh, supports patients at home. My focus was uh, uh, doing various assignments in finance, in uh, M&A, and in operations, primarily uh, out uh, in Europe, in France, as well as in Alberta, where uh, we took care of patients that needed uh, help at home, whether that may be in uh, the form of uh, medical uh, devices or medical gases. And that uh, journey lasted for a little bit over six years or so, and then I switched into pharmacy, uh, joining McKesson, uh, which is the, the world's uh, largest distributor of uh, pharmaceuticals. I was serving there in a strategy function where I helped them do things such as figuring out the long-term plan uh, for the Canadian division. And uh, you know, while I was there, there was a lot of talk about virtual care, uh, and I was highly involved in, in, in sort of the, the strategization of that, which is uh, was sort of the first seed in my inspiration to, to go on and pursue uh, this world of, of digital health. And that's when I landed a little while later at CARE, or the CARE Group of Pharmacies, uh, which uh, I'll tell you a little bit more about. It's a Canadian aggregator of pharmacies. Uh, they have over 40 assets all across Canada. And while uh, I was there, I was serving as the head of their digital health strategy. And it was honestly a perfect uh, marriage because Craver uh, Pharmacies is a very progressive company. Uh, they're very well established in community. They've been serving uh, rural uh, communities and uh, across, across all of Canada from coast to coast. And what we've done with uh, the idea behind MedNow is really the inspiration to virtualize this community experience that they've managed to do uh, so well. And that was the beginning of the MedNow story. All right. So, um, yeah, can you tell us about MedNow and the different products and solutions you offer and how the idea came about? Yeah, you know, it kind of relates back to a bit of my... Uh, a bit on my personal side. So I am a father of a, a very, very uh, young daughter. And, uh, uh, you know, I, you start thinking about the kind of uh, constraints that a young family has when it comes to having to go, for example, to pick up their medication from a pharmacy or really having sometimes even just the burden of having to go to a, a medical office and, and waiting there, uh, you know, with a crying baby to see your doctor. So there was, it was becoming very clear uh, that, you know, health is, is very much uh, well, well-oriented to be 
uh, done in, in, in digital, in the digital form. And when you saw the pandemic and what, and what it did to, say, example, telemedicine, I mean, telemedicine experienced an explosion. It went from a, a 3% uh, engagement rate maybe a couple of years ago to now over 60% of people are, are happy to go to a, a doctor virtually. We, at, at the time at CARE, uh, kind of saw the opportunity uh, before even COVID uh, to just complete the last mile on a telemedicine visit. So if somebody would go see a doctor, uh, wouldn't it be great if they also, uh, you know, virtually right from the comfort of their own home, wouldn't it be great if the medication, if they needed any, also arrived right to their door the same day? Uh, to couple that with the, the 101 of pharmacy care, uh, and all the things that uh, the care group of pharmacies knew really, really well uh, was was essentially the inspiration uh, for creating MedNow and really trying to find a way to to do care virtually that is convenient, uh, that allows healthcare in general to be more accessible and therefore improve the, the patient experience and their outcomes. Mm -hmm. um, that's that's great. So recently, Medna was in the news. Um, uh, Medna had a successful uh, funding round of about uh, $6.5 million. So um, tell us more about this funding round. Uh, how long did it take and who are the investors? And, uh, you know, was it difficult to agree on the valuation? As a, these are great questions, Salman. And, yeah, it's absolutely some, one of the most exciting uh uh, experience I've ever been part of. You know, let me just uh, uh, have a shout out to uh, the team at Gravitas Securities out of Vancouver, BC. Uh, you know, amazing, amazing support. You know, they uh, are the leader there, Kia Basharat, uh, managed to to get us in front of uh, people that really believed in the story of MedNow and, and the need. Uh, to transform healthcare uh, using technology to improve it, improve care. So, what started off as, uh, as you can imagine, I'm sure you've, you've spoken to a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, as a presentation deck, and how do you really distill the MedNow story in, you know, six to eight slides? Uh, and, you know, mm -hmm. when, we, when we were able to finally, you know, pin down the, the key, uh, the key differentiators for our offering, and why uh, Canada, uh, a market that for retail pharmacy is almost $40 billion, is primarily untouched by online uh, fulfillment. And for us, that was really the, the no-brainer decision uh, for, uh, for coming into MedNow and, and really going hard into transforming uh, that pharmacy care into a virtual uh, care of pharmacy. So, with the, inter with the help of introductions by, by Gravitas and uh, you know all of the legal team that supported us, we were able to interact with both institutional and uh, individual investors uh, quite effectively uh, in, in being able to move at a, at a pace that I thought was very impressive. You know, we set out to raise three million dollars, uh, ended up with an incredibly oversubscribed round uh, and then landing at six and a half million dollars instead. Uh, and for that, uh, you know, for, for us, that was really 
a testament to the level of interest in uh, our management team. You know, we're, we've come with a proven management team that's been in the business of pharmacy for, for over a decade. Uh, they also saw uh, that the congruence of care and technology and our understanding of it was very clear with the support uh, of uh, an organization like the Care for Pharmacies that permitted us to really have access to fulfillment right out the gate. Uh, and, and that for us was, was, a, was a huge differentiator because we really didn't spend any time uh, trying, to, trying to figure out the offering. Uh, you know, we, we had the technology part all sorted out and of course the pharmacy support as well. When COVID came, it actually ramped up uh, our launch uh, date because we really felt that this was a, was a moment to capitalize on the need of, of taking care of Canadians better by making sure they don't have to leave their home and can stay healthy. So the fundraising and COVID almost coincided in that sense. And I think you know everybody on, on our these investor calls was was living you know, the, the, the inconvenience of, of, of COVID and what it had to do to change their habits. And then it just right away can see why men now made sense. And I think that's been a really uh, one of the reasons we landed where we did with this round. Mm-hmm. So the whole process from start to finish, uh, fundraising process, it was like about six months? Yeah, I'd say it's about that. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, um, was it difficult for you and the investors to agree on the valuation? Like, did they value your company differently than you did, or was that uh, uh, not an issue? Yeah, at this early stage of any company, uh, I think valuations are always uh, highly dependent on the team uh, more than anything. So when we were, you know, and obviously people who are looking to invest are going to ask the question, so why do you think your company is worth this much? Uh, we always... We're, we're clear around, I would say, three different things. Uh, as I said, the management team that's established, proven, been there, done that, uh, is is one of the most important ingredients because if you don't have the right team, it doesn't really matter how much money you have uh, because you might end up squandering it all away. So that was a big check mark for a lot of the investors. The second uh, check mark was recognizing that uh, we are not just another startup. In fact, we have uh, the support uh, of an organization like the Care Group of Pharmacies uh, in, in more than one way, and that, that gave them that sense of, of comfort uh, around our ability to, to fulfill uh, the promises that we're making on these calls. And then finally, the, the fact that we've already built uh, the technology uh, for MedNow and have been know, actively uh, improving and tuning uh, all technology assets and the IP that's related to it, that gave them a comfort around recognizing that this is this is not just a brand new entity. This is an entity that's been in the works. It's been uh, developed and thought through for more uh, than a year. And, you know, in virtual care and in, 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 in digital health, that's actually a, a long time uh, to be present because it is so new and, and you know nowadays we, we joke about the COVID pop-ups. There's a lot of people jumping into the game of digital health uh, because they see the need. But you know I've always believed in one thing, which is it's all about execution. 
and flawless execution is what's going to differentiate Med now uh, from the rest of the players in this space. Uh, you know, it's it's like uh, you know, I'm sure you've heard it. You've heard enough strategy talk. Uh, you know, Peter Drucker said, um, "Culture eats uh, eats uh, strategy for breakfast." It was really uh, an indication of uh, how important it is to build the right team uh, and to be very clear around. Uh, your strategic goals, but really um, it starts and always has started with having the right team in place. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you fundraise in the pre-revenue stage or did you already have uh, some kind of like revenues uh, at the time at the time or right so, now? So it's like I said, we had soft launch, so we did have some revenue. Uh, but it, it was it was it was absolutely a pre-revenue uh, quantity, if you will. We we were were soft launching. We were uh, you know uh, focusing on the Ontario market. Uh, our sites are obviously on the Canadian market, so there was uh, there was enough to to see how the the piping, if you will, will work once once it's full in full play. Uh, but yeah, it was a pre-revenue pitch. Okay, so um, one one particular thing that I'm that I like to talk about is the opportunity cost of uh, seeking an investment, right? Like in terms of, for example, uh, if you're seeking an investor, you're losing some equity, some you're losing some future revenues because you'll be sharing those, and then also the time uh, the time uh that you spent fundraising so if the companies let's say in a pre-revenue stage they have the option of uh, reinvesting the revenues or profits and growing the company organically if if the company is not in a pre-revenue um, uh, revenue stage sorry if the company is not in a revenue stage they can bootstrap until they start uh you know becoming a profitable company and they can re- they can reinvest the profits so was that a particular thought process that you have to go through like do you do do you grow your company organically by bootstrapping and reinvesting profits or do you uh, go through uh, go and seek investment was that a discussion you and the team uh, had yeah i think we did but we didn't spend a ton of time uh, on it you know i think i'll tell you why you know we are always about uh, the, the, the focus on care for us is so important that we didn't uh, want to lose time uh, trying to bring the, the solution that is med now to the Canadian market uh, mm-hmm. because we think that's much more important than uh, you know where does that put us on the cap table you know what I mean and, and I think the idea of fundraising responsibly is is important for every investor in med now and in any other company so it's not that we don't uh, spend, uh, you know, we're not we're not cautious around what does this mean for dilution and, and, and valuation, but it's mostly because we want to make sure that everyone that's part of our company, including the investors, feel like we're looking out for their best interests. Mm-hmm. That that aside, and then and, you know, the, the, the irony the ironic part about all this is that the best the best interests of some of our investors. Uh, happen to be also be a personal uh, best interest. So, for example, some of our investors are also our customers. So, uh-huh. 
we we didn't want to be delaying uh, the 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 bed now launch and having and having uh, you know our own uh, people and not not have access to this great service of bringing uh, care right virtually to your home. So you know, in many ways, they kind of appreciated that we we went forward, uh, pushed hard to to do what we needed to do to raise the funds, and then. Uh, you know, didn't didn't uh, lose any time to support them and their own families and their pharmacy needs, uh, in addition to their you know financial interests. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess I guess one real reason is to seek this investment is really having the capital so you can uh, speed the growth of your venture, and uh, and you know your your business seems very timely, and it seems to be offering a real convenience. So I guess the sooner you get to market and have your users and customers, uh, it, it you can scale it. So it, there's certainly, I guess, uh, possibly some kind of value. Um, yeah, absolutely. And like I'd like to add just on that, you know, the the timing piece around getting out to market uh, fast, it, it yeah. is got multiple benefits. But one of the key benefits I want to focus on is we're we're learning so much about our customers and how to solve their problems that to lose any time in, in, in uh, planning and, and tactic, uh, you know, planning mode uh, without being out there uh, supporting patients and something that we already know how to do really, really well would mean we're losing a lot of really key lessons that we want to be able to take and improve the med now offering using uh, using the, this sort of customer feedback and everything else that we experience by just being in market. In fact, every week we have a you know weekly huddle where we go through every patient experience that we've had, and we take the time to figure out how we could have done things uh, right or wrong. Uh, you know, just how can we do it better? How can we how can we make that customer experience more intuitive for somebody transitioning from a brick and mortar pharmacy to our pharmacy, our virtual pharmacy? Uh, you know, how can we make sure they feel supported and, you know, they're comfortable with the fact that the connection now is a virtual one, not a face-to-face one? And what are the, some of the advantages of that? So, you know, there's there's a high focus on on making sure that we're we're learning uh, as we're being out in market. Uh, and, again, delaying that for, for you know, the personal interests of, uh, you know, the dilution and so forth just wasn't an option for us. We're, we're about care, and that was really our focus. Mm-hmm. And did you, did you have any particular criteria in terms of what kind of investor you wanted? Um, and um, yeah, and is your investor able to like bring other uh, value to the table other than capital? Uh, but mainly, like, um, did you have a particular criteria for the kind of investor you wanted? And does your investor have experience in similar uh, technologies? Yes, absolutely. So, you know, the, I don't know if you've uh, you've ever witnessed an, an investor uh, pitch uh, live, but a lot of the people that you know that, and, and this is something I'm, I, I thought was was really interesting about the experience. You know, when you're going into these meetings, everybody comes in with some ideas about what they want to really understand about our business, and you know, some of these ideas. Uh, you know, and, and questions to be specific are, are born in their own personal experiences. You know, they want to understand how men now can solve. You know, they should be had last weekend when they needed to go out and get a medication. Uh, you know, but they couldn't leave the bedside of their their sick kid, for example. 
you know. So, so these were the kind of questions that were around uh, the, the the personal level, and then there are obviously the questions around the, the the business understanding and like what's your burn rate and what what do, what do you see your future uh, looking like and how when you're gonna open up in uh, VC and you know so how are you gonna scale and so forth. All these questions, you know, what they what they uh, what they require is somebody who's gonna who's who's an investor who who's done their homework. So in every in every investor meeting that we've had and, and almost every investor on our list are people that know the space extremely well and know it well enough not to really just decide that this is a great uh, opportunity for them to participate in, 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 a, in a company at the forefront of a digital health movement, but it's also really important for them to make sure that uh, they are going to be able to give us advice and support us as we go along. So, so yeah, I'd say almost everyone that that came in to MedNow is somebody who, who knows the space extremely well, and, and that's something we're very happy about. Mm-hmm. Um. What was the due diligence process like? Was it particularly difficult? Were there any um, any concerns or uh, or any difficulties during the due diligence process? Because th- this is the, really the most, I, I guess, possibly the most tedious and difficult part of the fundraising process. So was it smooth for you? How did it go? I'd say it was, yes. So we had a lot of support from uh, our team. Uh, you know, our, our team really pulled together and, and made sure that all the questions were answered. Uh, you know, our our, uh, our documentation was tip top. I think, all in all, uh, again, at this early stage, it's very different. You know, I've worked in in an M and A, and I know what due diligence is on a company that's been around for 20 years. Uh, you know, uh, versus a company that's been around for a year or two. So, uh, from that sense, uh, you know, we we, we definitely been through a due diligence or two before and I think uh, it, it wasn't it wasn't uh, anything that we you know kind of skipped a beat on we were able to just jump in and do what we needed to do to make sure investors knew what uh, what they were getting themselves into mm-hmm. um, can you tell more about your product um, how many uh, doctors or or pharmacies are using it and how many transactions have you had? Uh, and did you have to go through any like Health Canada regulatory approval process? Yeah, so pharmacy and the business of pharmacy, I'll start with that last question first. The business of pharmacy is, is highly regulated, as you can imagine. Uh, they, they essentially, uh, the pharmacy colleges of every province will, will regulate every uh, aspect of the care. So from the moment you walk into a pharmacy until you leave it, uh, is, is almost entirely uh, managed by uh, the regulatory uh, laws of, of pharmacy in each of these provinces. Um, space health, as I mentioned earlier, we knew really well from having been with CARE and, uh, and for how long CARE has been in space. So out of the gate, we have a regulatory presence and, and licenses in, in, in all of the significant provinces of Canada. Uh, we have uh, been able to Utilize the fulfillment uh, capability of, of these uh, provinces and uh, these uh, assets in each of these provinces, uh, which was, has allowed us to uh, be completely within, in line with with the uh, regulatory uh, requirements of, of being in, in this business. Uh, 
and I would say uh, as we move forward, uh, you know, we're we're building our own fulfillment centers, and, and there's uh, another set of regulatory approvals that, that comes with that. So something that we're excited about and uh, looking forward to tackle. Uh, you know, as, as early as uh, this summer. So we're we're already kind of in the final stages of securing some of these assets, and we're uh, we're going to have to take on that other. Uh, regulatory exercise uh, when we do take possession. Um, I guess maybe we'll we'll continue with the rest of your questions. Um, um, uh, maybe you want to just remind me the first question again, and we can, uh, can answer that. Yeah, absolutely. I guess I guess I came out of you with a, like a jumbo uh, question. <laughs> more questions all at once. Uh, but uh, you know, but yeah, like that's, that's fine. Let's let's keep them coming. Uh, uh, yeah. So, the, uh, how how many doctors and and uh, pharmacies do you have uh, on your platform? So, we have uh, right now at least uh, one key uh, pharmacy uh, partner of ours in in Ontario, and I, and I almost kind of want to uh, to step back a bit and and try to be a little bit more um, clear about you know the question. I think transaction volume in pharmacy. Uh, is something that uh, is obviously very important to understand. You know, the number of doctors, uh, as you say, doctors are, are, are in the telemedicine space and not necessarily in the pharmacy, even though we collaborate with them a lot. So, you know, to kind of break down the question a bit, I'm going to actually start with looking at it more from how many patient interactions did we have. And I think mm-hmm. uh, it's important to, to recognize that that metric out of all of the ones that you described because you have to think about people come to a pharmacist as if uh, you know they're 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 support of their own doctor and in some cases and this is actually well studied and proven a pharmacist is seen as one of the the most trustworthy healthcare practitioners uh, in the health uh, ecosystem they're one of the most accessible stakeholders in the health ecosystem because they are quite literally around the, around the corner and you can walk in and, and within, you know, the, the time gets you to walk to the pharmacy, you're now talking to a clinically trained pharmacist that knows medication, knows the, all of the, the, the diseases uh, that would surround the need for this medication therapy and understands all of the other aspects of health uh, that relate to lifestyle adjustments like diet and exercise and so forth. So for me, that really is uh, the most important uh, metric because not everyone that walks into a pharmacy walks away with a prescription. Not everyone that walks uh, goes to see a doctor uh, you know, learns that uh, they need to do anything differently. But what the patient interaction, or what that what that conversation is between a patient and a healthcare practitioner, in this case in a virtual form, it 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 helps answer key questions to that person in that moment that allows them to figure out what they need to do to take care of themselves as best as they can, and that in itself, that comfort, that 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 sort of re- resolution of a question that they otherwise would have had to go on Google and you know search. Uh, you know, what does Dr. Google think I have, which unfortunately still obviously remains a, a very high tendency because of the lack of access to people that can answer your questions, uh, your health questions, 
you know, at the at the touch of a button, and, and uh, you know, at one phone call away, which is really what Med now offers. Today. It's one of the key things that we offer is that we're able to act as a navigator for health uh, when somebody just wants to know what do I do now, kind of thing. So in, in that sense, you know, we've we've had thousands of patient interactions, and they come through from our chat. They come through from our, our, our call center. Uh, they come through our emails. And, um, you know, they, they, there's this, you know, again, hats off to, to our pharmacy team that has managed to, to, to be able to manage all of these channels in a, in a way that's very effective, uh, make sure that every one of these uh, patients that is reaching out to us feels uh, that they are, you know, very... Uh, uh, very supported and, and, in fact, got the answers to the question that they came looking for. Uh, and, and uh, you know, that, I think, for me, is the most important part of the business. And as we scale, uh, as we uh, build out our fulfillment centers, you know, there there's lots of room to talk about uh, other metrics you mentioned. Uh, but I, I think for now, it's it's really very important for us to, to focus on how well we're doing on, on that very first and most important metric. Mm-hmm. And how does your pricing strategy work? So we're like any other pharmacy. So whatever you would have experienced at your most recent pharmacy visit, in terms of uh, cost and pricing, uh, we uh, are able to support that. Uh, you know, key key thing that we do is we we provide services that are not generally available at your average brick and mortar pharmacy. Uh, and in some cases, these unique services that we offer, uh, we don't even charge for. So, uh, you know, I can, I'm happy to tell you a little bit more about that. I'm, I'm sure we'll, we'll get some time to talk about some of our adherence solutions and uh, the other ways that we're, we're supporting patients beyond just medication dispensing. Mm-hmm. You know, as an example, we will perform thorough price investigations to make sure that you're not paying uh, more for your medication than you have to. You know, we work with all insurance plans, and we work, we work very closely uh, with uh, the patient to understand what uh, do they have uh, in terms of an ability to, you know, to be able to do uh, to, to take care of themselves, whether that means you know buying that medication or whatever, and see where we can support them, given uh, given uh, you know our, our, our wonderful healthcare system that we have here in Canada that really doesn't let anyone go unsupported. So, so do you get like a transaction fee from the pharmacy for every transaction? Like, how how do you um, monetize your service? Uh, I'm guessing, I'm guessing, is it like a, a fee per transaction from the pharmacies? Actually, well, no, it's it's not. But I'll tell you, I'll tell you a little bit about our uh, revenue streams to be uh, able to break that out. So, the, in the pharmacy uh, world, uh, there are two key uh, and, and from a prescription uh, drugs point of view, you earn a markup on every prescription that you sell, and that markup is uh, de- determined by uh, the private or public payer that's paying uh, for that medication. Um, and of course, there's the out-of-pocket expense of, of fulfilling whatever is, is a gap there between what the uh, public or private payer will pay versus what the patient must pay. 
Uh, that is also usually combined with a dispensing fee uh, that comes with every, as you, I guess you can call them, in that case, a transaction fee, but it is what it, it's a dispensing fee that comes with every dispense of one or multiple drugs uh, to each of the patients. Uh, the second mainstream of revenue is anything that's uh, non-prescription. Uh, so I'm sure you've been to a front shop at a pharmacy. You'll see your Tylenols, your your you know your allergy medication, your whatever else you need from uh, an over-the-counter point of view. Mm-hmm. And, and you know we we earn a markup uh, on that uh, as well. And then lastly, uh, our services uh, where where we would charge a monthly fee uh, as, as part of being able to perform a specific service for a specific patient group uh, that allows them to, to take better care of themselves. Um, and as I said, th- this is one of the offerings that we're most excited about because we, we want to use the fact that we're in a, in a virtual environment to really uh, have that unified record of a patient and see and think about all of the different ways that we can support that patient, uh, whatever it is that they have as a, as a, a specific need to themselves. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's great. And um, uh, how do doctors feel about you know providing virtual consultation? Do you think they are in Canada? Are they more open to the idea? Are they experimenting? Um, does it make their job easy? How do they feel about this? Well, I think it's 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 hard to uh, see how they they couldn't be, uh, you know, they couldn't see how this is uh, exciting and new for them. Um, you know, obviously, I'm not a doctor, and and it's harder for me to really comment on how they feel specifically about telemedicine. But I think just from a, the goal of creating a more accessible healthcare. I think it's it's harder for anyone to argue against telemedicine as being a way to do that, uh, and I, I think most doctors are aligned in, in, in the need to uh, increase access to healthcare, uh, you know, whether it's in urban or rural communities. So I, I would I would I would say they they're probably quite happy about this transformation of their practice, uh, but like everything, you know, not everything can be done on telemedicine. Uh, you know, there's some some conditions that you need to examine in person, and there it requires a physical exam by a doctor. So, uh, you know, those are the kind of things that are never going to go away. Uh, but, you know, what we're really excited about in MedNow is how can we even support uh, doctors uh, better uh, as, a, as being the pharmacy of their patients? You know, thinking about exciting technologies like remote patient monitoring, where we can have a readout on, on outcomes uh, much more uh, quickly than having somebody, uh, you know, needing to go on to a doctor visit, uh, you know, creating that kind of feedback loop, making sure people have, uh, have access to the latest and, and most important uh, information uh, relating to their patients. So these are all things that, uh, you know, the, the healthcare ecosystem is, is transforming to get to. And I, I feel like we all should be working as hard as we can to try to get to that utopic version of, 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 of the healthcare system so that we can, uh, you know, work towards eliminating disease and, and, and just really taking care of people 
to a point where they're all highly functioning. Absolutely. Uh, well, Karim, it has been uh, very nice uh, speaking with you and learning about MedNow and uh, yourself as well. So thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show. It's been my pleasure, Salman. Thank you so much for having me. Perfect. Um, you want to share your website? How can people find you? Yes, absolutely. Please go to www.mednow.ca. Uh, we are, uh, you know, in the process of, of creating uh, a lot of uh, service offerings, and we're going to be uh, obviously making sure that you all have access to that through our website. So please go ahead, uh, check it out, and maybe while you're there, you can have a chat with uh, our pharmacists, our virtual pharmacists. Perfect. Uh, listeners, I hope you enjoyed this episode and you find it to be engaging and insightful and you learned from Bednow's uh, amazing uh, story. And thank you so much for listening to Zonecast and stay tuned for more episodes.